Junk DNA by Rudy Rucker and Bruce Sterling, read by Rudy Rucker. Life was hard in old Silicon Valley. Little Jana Gutierrez was a native valley girl, half Vietnamese, half Latino. She had thoughtful eyes and black hair and high ponytails. Her mother, Ann, tried without success to sell California real estate. Her father, Reuben, plugged away inside cold giant companies like Tenafor and Lockheed Biological. The family lived in a charmless bungalow in the endless grid of San Jose. Jana first learned true bitterness when her parents broke up. Tired of her hard scrabble with a lowly wetware engineer, Ann ran off with Bang Dang, the glamorous owner of an online offshore casino. Dad should have worked hard to win back Mom's lost affection, but being an engineer, he contented himself with ruining Bang. He found and exploited every unpatched hole in Bang's operating system. Bang never knew what hit him. Despite Janice's pleas to come home, Mom stubbornly stuck by her online entrepreneur. She bolstered Bang's broken income by retailing network porn. Jaded Americans considered porn to be the commonest and most boring thing on the Internet. However, Hollywood glamour still had a moldy cachet in the innocent third world. Mom spent her work days dubbing the ethnic characteristics of tribal Somalis and Baluchis onto porn stars. She found the work far more rewarding than real estate. Mom's deviant behavior struck a damp and morbid echo in Jana's troubled soul. Jana sidestepped her anxieties by obsessively collecting goob dolls. Designed by glittery-eyed comics freaks from Hong Kong and Tokyo, goobs were wiggly, squeezable, pettable creatures made of trademarked ctenophore piezoplastic. These avatars of ultra-cuteness sold off wire racks worldwide to a generation starved for nature. Thanks to environmental decline, kids of Aunt Jana's age had never seen authentic wildlife. So they flipped for the goob menagerie, marmosets with butterfly wings, starfish that scuttled like earwigs, long, furry frankfurter cat snakes. Sometimes Jana broke her goob toys from their mint-in-the-box condition and dared to play with them. But she quickly learned to absorb her parents' cultural values and to live for their business buzz. Jana spent her off-school hours on the net, pumping and dumping collectible goobs to younger kids in other states. Eventually, life in the valley proved too much for Bang Dang. He pulled up stakes and drove away in his solar-powered RV to pursue a more lucrative career retailing networked toilets. Jana's luckless mom, her life reduced to ashes, scraped out a bare living marketing mailing lists to mailing list marketers. Jana ground her way through school and made it into UC Berkeley. She majored in computational genomics. Jana worked hard on software for hardwiring wetware, but her career timing was off. The latest pulse of biotech startups had already come and gone. Jana was reduced to bottle-scrubbing job at Triple Helix, yet another subdivision of the giant Ctenophore conglomerate. On the social front, Jana still lacked a boyfriend. She'd studied so hard she'd been all but dateless through school and college, in her senior year, she moved in with this cute Korean boy who was in a band. But then his mother had come to town with unbelievable, a blushing North Korean bride for him in tow. Such the obvious advice column weepy. In her glum and lonely evenings, she played you or her in interactives, romance stories, 
with a climax where she'd lip-sync a triumphant, tear-jerking video. On other nights, Jana would toy wistfully with her decaying goob collection. The youth market for the dolls had evaporated with the years. Now fanatical adult collectors were trading the goobs, stiff and dusty artifacts of their lost consumer childhood. And so life went on for Jana Gutierrez, every dreary day on the calendar foreclosing some way out, until the fateful September when Verushka Zipkinova arrived from Russia, fresh out of biohazard quarantine. The zany Zipkinova marched into, triple, marched into Triple Helix, toting a fancy briefcase with a video display built into its piezoplastic skin. Verushka was clear-eyed and firm-jawed with black hair cut very short. She wore a formal black jogging suit with silk stripes on the legs. Her Baltic pallor was newly reddened by California sunburned. She was very thoroughly made up. Lipstick, eyeshadow, nails, the works. She fiercely demanded a specific slate of bio-hardware and a big wad of startup money. Jana's boss was appalled at Verushka's archaic approach. Didn't this rusky woman get it that the new economy was even deader than Leninism? It fell to the luckless Jana to throw Verushka out of the building. You are but a tiny cog, said Verushka, accurately summing up Jana's cubicle. But you are intelligent, yes. I see this in your eyes. Your boss gave me the brush off. I did not realize Triple Helix is run by lazy morons. We're all quite happy here, said Jana lightly. The computer was, of course, watching her. I wonder if we could take this conversation off-site. That's what's required, you see, for me to get you out of the way. Let me take you to a fine lunch at Denny's, said Verushka, with sudden enthusiasm. I love Denny's so much. In Petersburg, our Denny's always has long lines that stretch down the street. Jana was touched. She gently counter-suggested a happening local coffee shop called the Model View Matrix. Cute musicians were known to hang out there. With the roads screwed and power patchy, it took forever to drive anywhere in California, but at least traffic fatalities were rare, given that the average modern vehicle had the mass and speed of a golf cart. As Jana forwarded the sunny moonscape of potholes, Verushka offered her startup pitch. From Russia, I bring to legendary Silicon Valley a breakthrough biotechnology. I need a local partner, Jana, someone I can trust. Yeah, said Jana, it's a collectible pet. Jana said nothing, but was instantly hooked. In Russia, we have mastered genetic hacking, said Verushka thoughtfully, and California is the planet's legendary source of high-tech marketing. Jana parked amid a cluster of plastic cars like colored seed pods. Inside, Jana and Verushka fetched slices of artichoke quiche. So now let me show you, said Verushka as they took a seat. She placed a potently quivering object on the tabletop. I call him Pumpty. The Pumpty was the size and shape of a Fabergé egg, pink and red, clearly biological. It was moist, jiggly, and veined like an internal organ with branching threads of yellow and purple. Jana started to touch it, then hesitated, torn between curiosity and disgust. It's a toy? asked Jana. She tugged nervously at one of her fanged hair clips. It really wouldn't do to have this blob stain her lavender silk jeans. The pumpty shuddered as if sensing Jana's hovering finger, and then it oozed silently across the table, dropped off the edge, and plopped damply to the diner's checkered floor. Verushka smiled, slitting her cobalt blue eyes, and leaned over to fetch her pumpty. 
She placed it on a stained paper napkin. All we need is venture capital. Um, what's it made of, wandered Jana. Pumpty's substance is human DNA. Whose DNA, asked Jana. Yours, mine, anyone's. The client's. Tenderly, Verushka picked up the Pumpty, palpating it with her lacquered fingertips. Once I worked at the St. Petersburg Institute of Molecular Science. My boss, well, he was also my boyfriend. Verushka pursed her lips. Victor's true obsession was the junk DNA. You know this technical phrase? Trust me, Vero, I'm a genomics engineer. Victor found a way for these junk codons to express themselves. The echo from the cradle of life, evolution's roadside picnic. To express junk DNA required a new wetware reader. Victor called it the universal ribosome. She sighed. We were so happy until the mafia wanted the return on their funding. No National Science Foundation for you guys, mused Jana. Victor was supposed to tweak a cabbage plant to make opium for the criminals, but we were both so busy growing our dear Pumpty. Victor used my DNA, you see. I was smart and saved the data before the Uzbeks smashed up our lab. Now I'm over here with you, Jana, and we will start a great industry of personal pets. Victor's hero fate was not in vain, and... What an old-school style and totally trippy way for Jana to shed her grinded-out work life. Jana and Varushka Zipkanova would create a genomic petware startup, launch the IPO, and retire by 30. Then Jana could escape her life-draining servitude and focus on life's real rewards. Take up oil painting, go on a safari, and hook up with some sweet guy who understood her. A guy she could really talk to. Not an engineer, and especially not a musician. Varushka pitchforked a glob of quiche past her pointed teeth. For her pilgrimage to the source of the world's largest legal creation of wealth and history, the Russian girl hadn't forgotten to pack her appetite. Pumpty still needs a little bit of what you say here, tweaking, said Varushka. The prototype Pumpty sat shivering on its paper napkin. The thing had gone all goosebumpy, and the bumps were warty. The warts had smaller warts upon them, topped by teensy wartlets with fine, waving hairs, not exactly a magnet for shoppers. Stuffed with alfalfa sprouts, Jana put her cutlery aside. Verushka plucked up Jana's dirty fork and scratched inside her cheek with the tines. Jana watched this dubious stunt and decided to stick to business. How about patents? No one ever inspects Russian gene labs, said Verushka with a glittery wink. We Russians are the great world innovators in black market wetware. Our fetal stem cell research, especially rich and good. Plenty of fetus meat in Russia, cheap and easy, all you need. Nothing ever gets patented. To patent is to teach stupid people to copy. Well, do you have a local lab facility, pressed Jana? I have better, said Verushka, nuzzling her pumpty. I have pumptose, the super enzyme of exponential autocatalysis. Pumptose, eh? And that means? It means the faster it grows, the faster it grows. Jana finally reached out and delicately touched the pumpty. Its surface wasn't wet after all, just shiny like super slick plastic. But a pet? It seemed more like something little boys would buy to gross out their sisters. It's not exactly cuddly, said Jana. Just wait till you have your own pumpty, said Verushka with a knowing smile. But where's the soft hair and big eyes? That thing's got all the shelf appeal of a scabby knee. It's nice to nibble a scab, said Verushka softly. 
She cradled her pumpty, leaned in to sniff it, and then showed her strong teeth and nipped off a bit of it. God, Verushka, said Jana, setting down her coffee. Your own pumpty, said Verushka, smacking. You are loving him like pretty new shoes, but so much closer and personal, because pumpty is you and you are pumpty. Jana sat up in wonderment, sudden wonderment. Deep within her soul, a magic casement had opened. Here's how we'll work it, she exclaimed. We give away Pumpty pets almost free. We'll make our money selling rip-off Pumpty care products and accessories. Varushka nodded, eyes shining. If we're business partners now, can you find me a place to sleep? Jana let Varushka stay in the spare room at her dad's house. Inertia and lack of capital had kept Jana at home since college. Ruben Gutierrez was a big soft man with a failing spine, carpal tunnel, and short bio-bleached hair. He wore moose into hedgehog spikes. He had a permanent mirthless grin, the side effect of his daily diet of antidepressants. Dad's tranquil haze broke with the arrival of Verushka with her go-go arsenal of fishnet tights and scoop-necked lycra tops. With Verushka around, the TV blared constantly, and there was always an open bottle of liquor. Every night the little trio stayed up late, boozing, making schmaltzy confessions, and engaging in long, earnest sophomore discussions about the meaning of life. Varushka's contagious warm-heartedness and her easy acceptance of human failing was a tonic for the Gutierrez household. It took Varushka mere days to worm out the surprising fact that Ruben Gutierrez had a stash of half a million bucks accrued via clever games with his stock options. He never breathed a word of this to Ann or to Jana. Emotionally alive for the first time in years, Dad offered his hoard of retirement cash for Verushka's long-shot crusade. Jana followed suit by getting on the web and selling off her entire goob collection. When Jana's web money arrived freshly laundered, Dad matched it, and two days later, Jana finally left home, hopefully for good. Company ownership was a three-way split between Verushka, Jana, and Jana's dad. Verushka supplied no cash funding because she had the intellectual property. Jana located their pumpty startup in San Francisco. They engaged the services of an online lawyer, a virtual realtor, and a genomic supply house, and began to build the buzz that, somehow, was bound to bring them major league venture capital. Their new HQ was a gray stone structure of columns, arches, and spandrels, the stone decorated with explosive graffiti scrawls. The many defunct banks of San Francisco made spectacular dives for the city's genomic startups. Verushka incorporated their business as Magic Pumpkin Incorporated and lined up a three-month lease. San Francisco had weathered so many gold rushes that its real estate values had become permanently bipolar. Provisionary millionaires and drug-addled derelicts shared the same neighborhoods, the same painted lady Victorians, the same flop houses and anarchist bookstores, Sometimes millionaires and lunatics even roomed together. Sometimes they were the very same person. Enthusiastic cops spewing pepper gas chased the last down-market squatters from Jana's derelict bank. To her intense embarrassment, Jana recognized one of the squatter refugees as a former Berkeley classmate named Kelso. Kelso was sitting on the sidewalk amidst his tattered Navajo blankets and a damp spotted cardboard box of kitchen gear. Hard to believe he'd planned to be a lawyer. I'm so sorry, Kelso, Jana told him, wringing her hands. My Russian friend and I are doing this genomic startup. 
I feel like such a gross, roughshod newbie. Oh, you'll be part of the porridge soon enough, said Kelso. He wore a big, sexy necklace of shiny, junked cell phones. Just hang with me and get colorful. Want to jam over to the Museum of Digital Art tonight? Free grilled calamari, and nobody cares if you sleep there. Jana shyly confided a bit about her business plans. I bet you're going to be bigger than Pokemon, said Kelso. I've always wanted to hook up with you, but I was busy with my pre-law program, and then you got into that cocooning thing with your Korean musician. What happened to him? His mother found him a wife with a dowry from Pyongyang, said Jana. It was so lovelorn. I've had dreams and visions about you, said Kelso softly, and now here you are. How sweet. I wish we hadn't had you evicted. The wheel of fortune, Jana. It never stops. As if on cue, a delivery truck blocked the street, causing grave annoyance to the local bike messengers. Jana signed for the tight-packed contents of her new office. Busy, busy, Jana told Kelso, now more than ready for him to go away. Be sure and watch our webpage, pumpty.bio. You don't want to miss our IPO. Who's your venture angel? Jana shook her head. That would be confidential. In other words, you don't have a backer. Kelso pulled his blanket over his grimy shoulders. And boy, will you ever need one. You ever heard of Revel Pullen of the Catanafor Industry Group? Catanafor? Jana scoffed. They're just the biggest piezoplastic outfit on the planet, that's all. My dad used to work for them, and so did I now that I think about it. How about Tug Masoglia, Catanafor's chief scientist? I don't mean to name drop here, but I happen to know Dr. Tug personally. Jana recognized the names, but there was no way Kelso could really know such heavy players. However, he was cute, and he said he dreamed about her. Bring him on, she said cheerfully. I definitely need to meet your partner, said Kelso, making the most of his self-created opportunity. Hoisting his grimy blanket, Kelso trucked boldly through the bank's great bronze-clad door. Inside the ex-bank, Varushka Zipkinova was setting up her own living quarters in a stony niche behind the old teller counter. Varushka had a second-hand futon, a moldy folding chair, and a stout refugee suitcase. The case was crammed to brimming with the detritus of subsistence tourism, silk scarves, perfumes, stockings, and freeze-dried coffee. After one glance at Kelso, Varushka yanked a handgun from her purse. Out of my house, Retniki. No room and board for you here, Mafia Besprisniki. I'm cool, I'm cool, said Kelso, backpedaling. Then he made a run for it. Jana let him go. He'd be back. Varushka hit her handgun with a smirk of satisfaction. So much good progress already. At least we command the means of production. Today we will make your own pumpty, Jana. They unpacked the boxed UPS deliveries. You make ready that crib vat, said Varushka. Jana knew the drill. She'd done this kind of work at Triple Helix. She got a wetware crib vat properly filled with base pairs and warmed it up to standard operating temperature. She opened the valves of the bovine growth serum and a pink threading began to fill the blood-warm fluid. Varushka plugged together the components of an implied biosystems oligosynthesis machine. She primed it with a data-stuffed S-cube that she'd rooted out of a twine-tied plastic suitcase. In Petersburg, we have unique views of DNA, said Varushka, pulling on her ladylike data gloves and staring into the synthesizer screen. Her fingers twitched methodically, nudging virtual molecule. Alan Turing, you know of him? Sure. 
The Universal Turing Machine, Jana Core dumped. Foundations of Computer Science, Breaking the Enigma Code, Reaction Diffusion Rules. Turing wrote a paper to derive the shapes of patches on brindle cows. He killed himself with a poison apple. Alan Turing was Snow White, Queen, and Prince all at once. I don't want to get too technical for your limited mathematical background, Varushka hedged. You're about to tell me that Alan Turing anticipated the notion of DNA as a program tape that's read by ribosomes, and I'm not going to be surprised. One step further, coked Varushka, since the human body uses one kind of ribosome, why not replace that with another? The universal ribosome. It reads in its program as well as its data before it begins to act. All from that good junk DNA, yes, Jana? And what is junk? Your bottom drawer? My garbage can? Your capitalist attic? And my startup garage? Normal ribosomes skip right over the junk DNA, said Jana. It's supposed to be meaningless to the modern genome. Junk DNA is just scribbled over things, like the crossed out numbers in in an address book. A palimpsest. Junk DNA is the half-erased traces of the original codes from long before humanity. From before, and maybe after, as Wichter was always saying, Varushka, glove-tapped at a long-chain molecule on the screen, there is Pumptos. The gaudy molecule had seven stubby arms, each of them a tightly wound mass of smaller tendrils. She barked out a command in Russian. The S-cube-enhanced applied biosystems unit understood, and an amber bead of oily, fragrant liquid oozed from the output port. Varushka neatly caught the droplet in a glass pipette. Then she transferred it to the crib vat that Jana had prepared. The liquid shuddered and roiled, jolly as the gut of Santa Claus. That pumptose is rockin' it, said Jana, marveling at the churning rainbow oil slick. We going good now, Ptista, said Varushka. She opened her purse and tossed her own pumpty into the vat. A special bath treat for my pet, she said. Then, with a painful wince, she dug one of her long fingernails into the lining of her mouth. Yow, said Jana. Oh, it feels so good to pop him loose, said Varushka indistinctly. Look at him. Nestled in the palm of Varushka's hand was a lentil-shaped little pink thing, a brand new pumpty. That's your own genetics from your dirty fork at the diner, said Varushka, all coated with trilobite bile or some other decoding from your junk DNA. I grew this seedling for you. She dropped the bean into the vat. This is starting to seem a little bent, Varushka. Well, you never smelled your own little pumpty or tasted him. How could you not bite him and chew him and grow a new scrap in your mouth? The sweet little pumpty. You just want to eat him all up. Soon a stippling of bumps had formed on the tiny scrap of flesh in the tank. Soft little pimples, twenty or a hundred of them. The lump cratered at the top, getting thicker all around. It formed a dent and invaginated like a sea squirt. It began pumping itself around in circles, swimming in the murky fluids. Stubby limbs formed momentarily, then faded into an undulating skirt like the mantle of a cuttlefish. Varushki's old pumpty was the size of a grapefruit, and the new one was the size of a golf ball. The two critters rooted around the tank's bottom like rats looking for a drain hole. Varushka rolled up her sleeve and plunged her bare arm into the big vat's slimy fluids. She held up the larger pumpty. It was flipping around like a beached fish. Varushka brought the thing to her face and nuzzled it. 
It took Jana a couple of tries to fish her own pumpty out of the tub, as each time she touched the slimy thing, she had to give a little scream and let it go. But finally she had the pumpty in her grip. It shaped itself to her touch and took on the wet, innocent gleam of a big wad of pink bubblegum. Smell it, urged Varushka. And Lord, yes, the pumpty did smell good. Sweet and powdery, like clean towels after a nice hot bath, like a lawn of flowers on a summer morn, like a new dress. Jana smoothed it against her face, so smooth and soft. How could she have thought her pumpty was gnarly? Now you must squeeze him to make him better, said Verushka, vigorously mashing her pumpty in her hands. Need, need, need. The pumpty pulled skin sills from the surface of your hands, you know. Then Pumptos reads more of the junk DNA and makes more good, tasty proteins. She pressed her pumpty to her cheek, and her voice went up an octave. Getting more of that yummy, yummy wetware from me, isn't he? Squeezy, squeezy pumpty. She gave it a little kiss. This doesn't add up, said Jana. Let's face it, an entire human body only has like 10 grams of active DNA. But this pumpty, it's solid DNA, like a chunk of rubber. And hey, it's almost half a kilo. I mean, where's that at? The more the better, said Verushka patiently. It means that very quickly, Pumpkey can be recombining his code. Like a self-programming Turing machine. Wichter often spoke of this. But it doesn't even look like DNA, said Jana. I messed with DNA every day at Triple Helix. It looks like lint or dried snot. My Pumpkey is smooth because he's making nice old proteins from the ancient junk of the DNA. All our human predecessors from the beginning of time, amphibians, lemurs, maybe intelligent jellyfish saucers from Mars, who knows what. But every bit is my very own junk of my very own DNA, so stop thinking so hard, Jana. Love your pumpty. Jana struggled not to kiss her pink glob. The traceries of pink and yellow lines beneath its skin were like the veins of fine marble. Your pumpty is lovely, said Verushka, reaching for it. Now, into the freezer with him. We'll store him to show our financial backers. What, said Jana. She felt a sliver of ice in her heart. Freeze my pumpty? Freeze your own pumpty, Vero. I need mine, snapped Verushka. To part from her pumpty, something within Jana passionately rebelled. In a dizzying moment of raw devotion, she found herself sinking her teeth into the unresisting flesh of her pumpty. Crisp, tasty, spun cotton candy, deep-fried puffball dough, a sugared beignet, and under that a salty, slightly painful flavor, bringing back the memory of being a kid and sucking the root of a lost tooth. Now you understand, said Verushka with a throaty laugh. I was only testing you. You can keep your sweet pumpty safe and sound. We'll get some dirty street bum to make us some pumpty for commercial samples, like that stupid boy you were talking to before. Verushka stood on tiptoe to peer out of the bank's bronze mullioned window. He'll be back. Men always come back when they see a woman making money. Jana considered this wise assessment. His name is Kelso, said Jana. I went to Berkeley with him. He says he's always wanted me, but he never talked to me at school. Get some of his body fluid. I'm not ready for that, said Jana. Let's just poke her in the sink for his traces. And indeed, they quickly found a fresh hair to seed a Kelso pumpty. It was nasty and testicular, suitable for freezing. As Verushka had predicted, Kelso himself returned before long. He made it his business to volunteer his aid and legal counsel. 
He even claimed that he'd broached the subject of magic pumpkin to tug Misoglia himself. However, the mysterious mogul failed to show up with his checkbook, so Magic Pumpkin took the path of viral marketing. Verushka had tracked down an offshore Chinese ooze farm to supply cheap culture medium. In a week, they had a few dozen pumpty starter kits for sale. They came as a little plastic tub of pump-toast-laced nutrient all boxed up in a flashy little design that Jana had printed out in color. Kelso had the kind of slit-eyed street smarts that came only from Berkeley Law classes. He chose Fisherman's Wharf to hawk the product. Jana went along to supervise his retail effort. It was the start of October, a perfect fog-free day. A song of joy seemed to rise from the sparkling waters of San Francisco Bay, echoing from the sapphire dome of the California sky. Even the tourists could sense the sweetness of the occasion. They hustled cheerfully around Kelso's fold-out table, clicking away with little biochip cameras. Kelso spun a practice line of patter while Jana publicly adored her Pumpty. She decked out Pumpty in a special sailor suit, and she kept tossing him high into the air and laughing. Why is this woman so happy? barked Kelso. She's got a Pumpty. Better than a baby, better than a pet, your Pumpty is all you. Starter kits on special today for the unbelievably low price of... Over the course of a long morning, Kelso kept cutting the offering price of the Pumpty kits. Finally, a runny-nosed little girl from Olympia, Washington, took the bait. How do I make one? She wanted to know. What you got in that kit? And praise the holy molecule, her parents didn't drag her away. They just stood there watching their little darling shop. The first sale. For Jana, it was a moment to treasure forever. The little girl with her fine black brown hair blowing in the warm afternoon wind, the dazedly smiling parents, Kelso's abrupt, excited gestures as he explained how to seed and grow the pumpty by planting a kiss on a scrap of Kleenex and dropping the scrap into the kit's plastic tub, the feel of those worn dollar bills in her hand and the parting wave of little customer number one. Ah, the romance of it. Now that they'd found their price point, more sales followed. Soon, thanks to word of mouth, they began moving units from their website as well. But now Jana's dad, Reuben, who had a legalistic turn of mind, warned them to hold off on shipments until they had federal approval. Reuben took a sample pumpty before the San Jose branch office of the Genomics Control Board. He argued that since the pumpties were neither self-reproducing nor infectious, they didn't fall under the human heritage provisions of the Homeland Security Act. The investigation hearings made the Bay Area news shows, especially after the right-wing religious crowd got in on the story. An evangelist from Alameda appeared on San Jose Federal Building steps, and after an impassioned speech, he tore a pumpty apart with pincers, calling the unresisting little glob the spawn of Satan. He'd confiscate the poor pumpty from a young parishioner who could be seen sobbing at the edge of the screen. In a few days, the Genomics Control Board came through with their blessing. The Pumpties were deemed harmless, placed in the same schedule category as home gene testing kits. Magic Pumpkin was free to ship throughout the nation. Magic Pumpkin's website gathered a bouquet of orders from eager early adopters. Kelsa's art scene friends were happy to sign up to work for Magic Pumpkin. Buoyed by the chance of worldly success, Kelsa began to shave more often and even to use deodorant. But he was so excited about business that he forgot to make passes at Jana. 
Every day jobber in the startup was issued his or her own free pumpty. Magic Pumpkin wants missionaries, not mercenaries, Jana announced from on high, and her growing cluster of troops cheered her on. Owning a personal pumpty was an item of faith in the little company, the linchpin of their corporate culture. You couldn't place yourself in the proper frame of mind for Magic Pumpkin product development without your own very darling roly-poly. Cynics had claimed that the male demographic would never go for pumpties. Why would any guy sacrifice his computer gaming time and his weekend bicycling to nurture something? But once presented with their own pumpty, men found that it filled some deep need in the masculine soul. They swelled up with competitive pride in their pumpties and even became quite violent in their defense. Jana lined up a comprehensive array of related products. First and foremost were costumes. Sailor Pumpty, Baby Pumpty, Pumpty Duckling, Angel Pumpty, Devil Pumpty, and even a Goth Pumpty dress-up kit with press-on tattoos. They shrugged off production to a Filipina doll clothes makers in a sweatshop in East L.A. Further up market came a Pumpty backpack for transporting your Pumpty in style, protecting it from urban pollution and possibly nasty bacteria. This one seemed like a sure hit if they could swing the Chinese labor in Shenzhen and Guangdong. The third idea, Pumpty Energy Crackers, was a no-brainer. Crisp, collectible cards of munchable amino acid bases to fatten up your Pumpty. If the crackers used the mechanically recovered meat common in pet food and cattle feed, then the profit margin would be primo. Kelso had a contract for this in Mexico. They guaranteed their cookies would come crisply printed with the Pumpty name and logo. Jenna's fourth concept was downright metaphysical, a psychic powers Pumpty training wand. Except for occasional oozing and plopping, the Pumpties never actually managed conventional pet tricks, but this crystal-topped wand could be hawked to the credulous as increasing their Pumpties empathy or telepathy. A trial mention of this vaporware on the Pumpty.bio website brought in a torrent of excited New Age emails. The final sure thing Pumpty accessories were tie-in books. Two of Kelso's many unemployed writer and paralegal friends set to work on Pumpty user's guides. The firm forecasted an entire library of guides sucking up shelf space at chain stores and pet stores everywhere. The Moron's Guide to Computational Genomics. Pumpty Tips, Tricks, and Shortcuts. The Three-Week Pumpty Guide. The One-Day Pumpty Guide. And the Ten-Minute Pumpty Guide. Pumpty Security Threats. How to Protect Your Pumpty from Viral DNA Hacks, Trojan Goo, and Strange Genes. And more, more, more. Paradoxically, Magic Pumpkin's flowering sales bore the slimy seeds of a smashing fiscal disaster. When an outfit started small, it didn't take much traffic to double demand every week. This constant doubling brought on raging production bottlenecks and serious crimps in their cash flow. In point of fact, in pursuit of market establishment, they were losing money on each Pumpty sold. And the big payback from the Pumpty accessories wasn't happening. Jana had never quite realized that manufacturing real physical products was so much harder than just thinking them up. Magic Pumpkin failed to do its own quality control, so the company was constantly screwed by fly-by-nighters. Subcontractors were happy to take their money, but when they failed to deliver, they had Magic Pumpkin over a barrel. The doll costumes were badly sized. The Pumpty backpacks were ancient Hello Kitty backpacks with their logos covered by cheap paper Pumpty stickers. 
The crackers were dog biscuits with the stinging misprint pup tea. The telepathic wand sold some units, but the people buying it tended to write bad checks. As for the user's guides, the manuscripts were rambling and self-indulgent, long on far-fetched jokes, yet critically short on objective facts. Day by day, Jana stomped the problems out. But now that their production lines were stabilized, now that their accessories catalog was properly weeded out, now that their ad campaign was finally in gear, their 15 minutes of ballroom glamour expired. The pumpkin clock struck midnight. The public revealed its single most predictable trait, fickleness. Instantly, without a whimper of warning, Magic Pumpkin was deader than pet rocks. They never even shipped to any stores in the Midwest or the East Coast. The folks in those distant markets were sick of hearing about the Pumpties before they ever saw one on a shelf. Jana and Vrushka couldn't make payroll. Their lease was expiring. They were cringing for cash. A desperate Jana took the show on the road to potential investors in Hong Kong, the toy capital of the world. She emphasized that Magic Pumpkin had just cracked the biggest single technical problem, the fact that Pumpties looked like slimy blobs. Engineering-wise, it all came down to the pumptose-based universal ribosome. By inserting a properly tweaked lookup string, you could get it to express the junk DNA sequences in customizable forms. Programming this gnarly cruft was, from an abstract computer science perspective, unfeasible, meaning that, logically speaking, no human would be able to design such a program within the lifetime of the universe. But Jana's dad, fretful about his investment, had done it anyway. In two weeks of inspired round-the-clock hacking, Ruben had implemented a full open animator graphics library using a palette of previously unused Rhodopsin-style proteins. Thanks to Open Animator, a whiff of the right long-chain molecule could now give your pumpty any mesh, texture, color map, or attitude matrix you chose. Not to mention overloaded frame animation updates keyed into the pumptosis ribosomal time steps. It was a techie miracle. Dad flew along to Hong Kong to back Jana's pitch, but the Hong Kong crowd had little use for software jargon in American, American English and the overwrought Reuben killed the one nibble they got by picking a fight over intellectual property, which was no way to build partnerships in Hong Kong. Flung back to San Francisco, Jana spent night after night frantically combing the web, looking for any source of second-round venture capital, no matter how far-fetched. Finally, she cast herself sobbing into Kelso's arms. Kelso was her last hope. Kelso had to come through for them, he had to bring in the seasoned business experts from Catanafor Incorporated, the legendary masters of jellyfish A-Life. Listen, babe, said Kelso practically, I think you and the bio-Bolshevik there have already taken this concept just about as far as any sane person ought to push it. Farther, even. I mean, sure, I recruited a lot of my cyber-slacker friends into your corporate cult here, and we promised them the moon and everything, so I guess we'll look a little stupid when it enrons. They'll bitch and whine, and they'll feel all disenchanted. But come on, this is San Francisco. They're used to that here. It's genetic. But what about my dad? He'll lose everything. And Verushka is my best friend. What if she shoots me? I'm thinking Mexico, said Kelso dreamily. Way down on the Pacific coast. That's where my mother comes from. You and me, we've been working so hard on this startup that we never got around to the main event. Just dump those ugly pumpties in the bay. We'll empty the cash box tonight and catch a freighter blimp for the south. 
I got a friend who works for Air Jalisco. It was Kelso's most attract attractive offer so far, maybe even sincere in its way. Jana knew full well that the classic dot-com move was to grab that golden parachute and bail like crazy before the investors and employees caught on. But Magic Pumpkin was Jana's own brainchild. She was not yet a serial entrepreneur, and a boyfriend was only a boyfriend. Jana couldn't walk away from the green baize table before that last spin of the wheel. It had been quite some time since Ketenafor Incorporated had been a cutting-edge startup. The blazing light of media tech hype no longer beamed from their dense, compact enterprise. The film's legendary founders, Revel Pullen and Tug Masoglia, had collapsed in on their own reputations. Not a spark could escape their gravity. They'd become twin black holes of biz weirdness. Ketenafor's main line of business had always been piezoplastic products. Ketenafor had pumped this protean blobgic material into many crazy scenes in the California boom years. Bathtub toys, bondage clothing, industrial-sized artificial jelly transport blimps, and goob dolls as well. Goob dolls, goob yub, creator of the goob dolls, had been one of Ketenafor's many Asian spin-offs. As it happened, quite without Jana's awareness, Ketanafor had already taken a professional interest in the workings of Magic Pumpkin. Goob Yub's manufacturing arm, Bugosity, had been the Chinese ooze farm supplier for pumpty raw material. Since Bugosity had no advertising or marketing expenses, they'd done much better by the brief pumpty craze than Magic Pumpkin itself. Since Magic Pumpkin was growing broke, Bugosity faced a production glut. They'd have to move their specialty goo factories back into the usual condoms and truck tires. Some kind of corporate allegiance seemed written in the stars. Varushka Zipkinova was transfixed with paranoia about Revel Pullen, Ketenafor's chairman of the board. Varushka considered major American capitalists to be sinister figures. This conviction was just in her bones somehow, and she was very worried about what Pullen might do to Russia's oil. Russia's black gold was the lifeblood of its pathetic wrecked economy. Years ago, Revel Pullen, inventively manic as always, had released gene-spliced bacteria into America's dwindling oil reserves. This fatal attempt to increase oil production had converted millions of barrels of oil into, as chance would have it, raw piezoplastic. Thanks to the powerful Texas lobby in Washington, none of the lawsuits or regulatory actions against Ketanafor had ever succeeded. Jana sought to calm Varushka's jitters. If the company hoped to survive, they had to turn Ketenafor into Magic Pumpkin's fairy godmother. The game plan was to flatter Pullen while focusing their persuasive efforts on the technical expert of the pair. This would be Ketenafor's chief scientist, a far-famed mathematician named Tug Masoglia. It turned out that Kelso really did know Tug Masoglia personally, for Masoglia lived in a painted lady mansion above the hate, during a protracted absence to the Twee Town district of Manchester, home of the Alan Turing Memorial, Tug had once hired Kelso to babysit his jellyfish aquarium. Thanks to San Francisco's digital grapevine, Tug knew about the eccentric biomathematics that ran Pumpties. Tug was fascinated, and not by the money involved. Like many mathematicians, Masoglia considered money to be one boring, merely bookkeeping subset of the vast mental universe of general computation. He'd already blown a fortune endowing chairs in set theory, cellular automata, and higher dimensional topology. 
Lately, he'd published widely on the holonomic attractor space of human dreams, producing a remarkable proof that dreams of flight were a mathematical inevitability for a certain fixed percentage of the dreams, this fixed percentage number being none other than Feigenbaum's chaos, con- chaos constant, 4.6692. Verushka scheduled to meet at Denny's near the Moffat Field Blimport. Verushka had an unshakable conviction that Denny's was a posh place to eat, and the crucial meeting had inspired her to dress to the nines. When do they want to have sex with us? Verushka fretted, paging through her laminated menu. Why would they want to do that? said Jana. Because they are fat capitalist moguls from the West, and we are innocent young women. Evil old men with such fame and money, what else can they want of us? They will scheme to remove our clothing. Well, look, Tugmasogli is gay. Jana looked at her friend with concern. Verushka hadn't been sleeping properly. Stuck on the local grind of junk food in 80-hour weeks, Verushka's femme fatale figure was succumbing to valley hacker desk spread. The poor thing barely fit in her designer knockoffs. It would be catty to cast cold water on her seduction fantasies, but really, Verushka was swiftly becoming a kerchiefed babushka with a string bag, the outermost shell of some cheap nest of Russian dolls. Verushka picked up her pumpney, just now covered in Baroque scrolls like a fan de siècle picture frame. Do like this, she chirped, brushing the plump pet against her fluffy martin fur hat. The pumpty changed its surface texture to give an impression of hairiness and hopped onto the crown. Lovely, said Verushka, smiling into her hand mirror, but her glossy smile was tremulous. We simply must believe in our product, said Verushka, pep-talking to her own mirror. She glanced up wide-eyed at Jana. Our product is so good a fit for their core business, no? Please tell me more about them, about this Dr. Tug and Mr. Revel. Tell me the very worst. These gray-haired, lecherous, fat cats. They are world-weary and cynical. Success has corrupted them and narrowed their thinking. They no, no longer imagine a brighter future. They merely go through the rote. Can they be trusted with our dreams? Jana tugged fitfully at the floppy tie she donned to match her dress-for-success suit. She always felt overwhelmed by Verushka's fits of self-serving corn. It's a biz meeting, Vero. Try to relax. Just as the waitress brought them some food, the glass door of the Denny's yawned open with a ring and a squeak. A seamy, gray-haired veteran with the battered look of a bronco buster approached their table with a bow-legged scuff. I'm Haas Jenks, head of security for Ketanafor. Jenks hauled out a debugging wand and a magnetometer. He then swept his tools with care over the pair of them. The wand began beeping in frenzy. Let me hold on to your piece for you, ma'am, Jenks suggested placidly. It's just a sweet little one, Verushka demurred, handing over a pistol. Tug Misoglia tripped in moments later, sunburned and querulous. The mathematician sported a lavender dress shirt and peach-colored ascot combined with pleated khaki trail shorts and worn-out piezoplastic gripper sandals. Revel Pullen followed, wearing a black linen business suit, snakeskin boots, and a Stetson. Janet could tell there was a bald pate under that high hat. Jenks faded into a nearby booth where he could shadow his employers and watch the door. Masoglia creaked into the plastic seat beside Verushka and poured himself a coffee. I phoned in my order from the limo. Where's my low-fat soy protein? Here you go, then, said Jana, 
eagerly shoving him the heap plate of pseudo-meat that the waitress had just set down. Pullen stared as Masoglia tucked in. I don't know how the hell this man eats the food in a sorry-ass chain store. Nevertheless, he picked up a fork and speared a piece of it himself. I believe in my investments, Masoglia said, munching. You see, ladies, this soy protein derives from a patented catenophore process. He prodded at Verushka's plate. Did you notice that lifelong organic individuality of your waffle product? That's no accident, darling. Did we make any real folded money off this crap? said Revel Pullen, eating one more piece of it. Of course we did. You remember all those centered floating gel rafts and the giant tofu tanks in Chiba? Masoglia flicked a blob of molten butter from his ascot. Y'all don't pay no never mind to Dr. Masoglia here, Revel counter-advised, setting down his fork. Today's economy is all about diversity. Proactive investments, buying into the next technical wave before you get cannibalized. Revel leered. Now as for me, I get my finger into every techno pie. His lipless mouth was like a letter slot, bent slightly upwards at the corners to simulate a grin. Let me brief you gentlemen on our business model, said Jana warily. It's much like your famous goob dolls, but the hook here is that the pumpty is made of the user's very own DNA. This leads to certain, uh, powerful consumer bonding effects and... Oh good, let's see your pumpties, girls, crooned Tug with a decadent giggle. Whip out your pumpties for us. You've never seen our product, asked Jana. Tug's got a mess of them, said Revel. But y'all never shipped to Texas. That's another thing I just don't get. Pullen produced a sheaf of printout and put on his bifocals. According to these due diligence filings, Magic Pumpkin's projected online capacity additions were never remotely capable of meeting the residual inline demand in the total offline market that you required for break-even. He tipped back his Stetson, his liver-spotted forehead wrinkling in disbelief. How in green tarnation could you gals overlook that? How is that even possible? Huh? said Jana. Revel chuckled. Okay, now I get it. Tug, these little gals don't know how to do business. They've never been anywhere near one. Sure looks that way, Tug admitted. No MBAs, no accountants, nobody doing cost control, no speakers to animals and the hacker staff. I'd be pegging your background as entry-level computational genomics, he said, pointing at Jana. Then he waggled his finger at Varushka. And you'd be coming from Slavic mythology and emotional blackmail? Varushka's cobalt blue eyes went hard. I don't think I want to show you men my pumpty. We kind of have to show our pumpties, don't we, said Jana, an edge in her voice. I mean, we're trying to make a deal here. Don't get all balky on the bailout men, added Revel, choking back a yawn of disdain. He tapped a napkin to his wrinkled lips with a glint of diamond solitaire. He glanced at his Rolex, reached into his coat pocket, and took out a little pill. That's for high blood pressure, and I got it the hard way, out kicking ass in the market. I got a flight back to Texas in less than two hours, so let's talk killer app, why don't we? Your toy pitch is dead in the water, but Tug says your science is unique. It's okay, but how do we sell the pumpties? They're getting much prettier, Jana said, swiftly hating herself. Do you all think pumpties might have an app in home security? Jana brightened. The home market? Yeah, that's right. Strategic defense for the home. Pullen outlined his scheme. Ever the bottom feeder, he'd bought up most of the software patents for the never-completed American missile defense system. 
Pullen had a long-cherished notion of retrofitting the Star Wars shield into a consumer application for troubled neighborhoods. He was wondering if Pumpties might take the place of the missiles. Rebel figured that a sufficiently tough-minded Pumpty could take a round to the guts, fall to the earth, crawl back to its vat in the basement, and come back hungry for more. So if bullets were fired at a private home from some drug-crazed drive-by, then a rubbery unit of the client's Pumpty Star Wars shield would instantly fling itself into the way, guided by that fine old Star Wars software. Varushka batted her eyes at Pullen. I love to hear a strong man talk about security. Security always soars along with unemployment, said Pullen, nodding his head at his own wisdom. We're in a major downturn. I've seen this before, so I know the drill. Locks, bolts, Dobermans, they're all market leaders this quarter. That's capitalism 301, girls. And you, Ktenafor, you would finance Magic Pumpkin as a home defense industry? probed Verushka. Maybe, said Pullen, his sunken eyes sly. We'd surely supply you a Washington lobbyist, new public relations, zoning clearances, help you write up a genuine budget for once, and of course, if we're on board, then y'all will have to dump all your crappy equipment and become a 100% Ktenafor shop technologically. Ktenafor sequences... PCRs, and bioinformatics software. That's strictly for your own safety, you understand. Stringent quality assurance, functional testing, and all. Um, yeah, nodded Tug. We'd get all your intellectual property copyrighted and patented. The lawyer fees, we'll take care of that. Catanifor is downright legendary for our quick response times to a market opportunity. We're going to help you youngsters catch the fish, said Pullen smugly. Not just give you a damn fish. What'd be the fun in that? Self-reliance, girls. We want to see your little outfit get up and walk under our umbrella. You sign over your founder's stock, put in your orders for our equipment, and we ain't going to bill for six months, and then my men will start to shake the money tree. Wait, they still haven't shown us their pumpties, said Tug, increasingly peevish. peevish. And Revel, you need to choke it back to a dull roar with the Star Wars attack pumpties. Real-world ballistic physics is chaotic, dude, which means unsolvable in real time. Tug muffled a body sound with his napkin. I ate too many waffles. Jana felt like flipping the table over into their laps. Varushka shot her a quick, understanding glance and laid a calming hand on her shoulder. Varushka played a deep game. Varushka plucked the pumpty from her furry hat and set it on the table. Tug did a double take and leaned forward, transfixed. Varushka segued into her cuddly mode. Pumpty was created in a very special lab in Petersburg, in the top floor of old mosque film complex, where my friends make prehistoric amber jewelry. You can see the lovely river Neva while you hunt for dinosaur gnats. As she put the squeeze on their would-be sponsors, Varushka compulsively massaged her Pumpty. She was working it, really getting into it, finger and thumb, until suddenly a foul little clot of non-working protein suddenly gave way inside, like popping bubble wrap. Stop it, Vero, said Jana. Tug daintily averted his gaze as Verushka licked goo from her fingers. Look at mine, offered Jana. She'd programmed her pumpty to look rubbery and sleek, like a top-end basketball shoe. Hey, any normal kid would kill to have one of those, said Revel cheerily. I'm getting another product brainstorm. It's rising in me like a thunderhead across Tornado Alley. 
The junk DNA is the critical aspect, put in Tug. These are traces of early pre-human genomics. If we can really express those primordial codons, we might... Those globbies suck DNA right off people's fingers, right? demanded Revel. Well, yes, said Jana. Great. So here's my plan B. Currency. You smash them out flat and color them pretty. As they daisy-chain from hand to hand, they record the DNA of every user. Combine those with criminal DNA files, and you got terrorist-proof cash. But the Mafia always wears gloves, said Verushka. No problem, just turn up the amps, said Pullen. Have them suck DNA fragments out of the dang air. He waggled his lower jaw to simulate deep thought. Those little East European currencies, they're not real cash money anyways. That user base won't even know the difference. Masoglia blinked owlishly. Bear with us, ladies. Revel's always like this right after he takes his meds. Now, Tug, we gotta confront the commercial possibilities. You and I, we could hit the lab and make some kind of money that only works for white males over 50. If anybody else tries to pass it, it's just like, bites their dang hands off. Pullen chuckled richly, then had another drag off his cigarette. Or how about a $100 bill that takes your DNA and grows your own face on the front? Masoglia sighed, looked at his watch, and shook it theatrically. But this is such pure genius, gushed Varushka, leaning toward Revel with moistening eyes. We need your veteran skills. Magic Pumpkin needs grown men in the boardroom. We wasted our money on incompetent artists and profiteers. We had great conceptual breakthroughs, but... Can it with the waterworks and cut to the chase, said Pullen. It's high time for you amateurs to roll over. Make us the offer, said Jana. Cards on the table, said Pullen, fixing her with his hard little eyes. You'll sign all your founder stock over to us. I'll take your stock, Chica, and Tug will take your pretty Russian France. That gives us controlling interest. As for your dad's third, he might as well keep it, since he's too maverick to deal with. Dad's in clover, okay? You're not offering us any cash, said Jana. I don't believe this. The pumpty was our original idea. You sign on with us, you get a nice salary, said Pullen. Then he broke into such cackles that he had to sip ice water and dab at his eyes with a kerchief. You two kids really are better off with a salary, added Tug in a kindly tone. It won't be anything huge, but better than your last so-called jobs. We already checked into your histories. You'll get some nice vague titles, too. That'll be good experience for your next job, or who knows, your next startup. The sexy Rusky can be my pumpty project manager, said Pullen. She can fly down to my ranch tomorrow. I'll be waiting. And what about the other one, Tug? She's more the techie type. Yes, yes, I want Jana, said Tug, beaming, executive assistant to the chief scientist. Jana and Verushka exchanged unhappy glances. How, how big of a salary, asked Jana, hating herself. After the fabled entrepreneurs departed the Denny's in the company of a watchful Haas Jenks, Verushka dropped her glued-on smile and scrambled for the kitchen. She was just in time to save Tug's and Revel's dirty forks before they hit the soapy water. Shoving a busboy aside, Verushka wrapped the DNA-soiled trophies in a sheet of newspaper and stuffed them into her purse. Verushka, what do you think you're doing? I'm multiplying our future options. I am seizing the future imperfectly. Visualize, realize, actualize. Verushka's lower lip trembled. Leap and the net will appear. Stuck in the clattering kitchen of Denny's, feeling sordid and sold out, 
Jenna felt a moment of true sorrow for herself, for Vero, and even for the Latino and Vietnamese busboys. Poor immigrant Varushka, stuck in some foreign country, with an alien language, she'd seen her grandest dreams seized, twisted up, and crushed by America, and now, in her valiant struggle to rise from ash heap to princess, she'd signed on to be Pullen's marketeer droid. As for Jana, she'd be little more than a lab assistant. At least the business was still alive, even if it wasn't her business anymore. When they returned to their San Francisco lair, they discovered that Haas Jenks had arrived with a limo full of men in black suits and mirror shades. They'd seized the company's computers and fired everyone. To make things worse, Jenks had called the police and put an APB out for Kelso, who'd last been seen departing down a back alley with a cardboard box stuffed with the company's petty cash. I can't believe that horrible old cowboy called the cops on Kelso, Jana mourned sitting down in the firm's very last cool, swoopy, blobular concepts chair. I'm glad Kelso stole that money, since it's not ours anymore. I hope he'll turn up again. I never even got to make out with him. He's gay, you know. Look, Kelso is not gay, yelled Jana. He is so totally not gay. There's a definite chemistry between us. We're just too incredibly busy, that's all. Verushka sniffed and said nothing. When Jana looked up, her eyes brimming, she realized that Verushka was actually feeling sorry for her. This was finally it for Jana. It was too much for flesh and blood to bear. She bent double in her designer chair, racked with sobs. Jana, my dear, don't surrender. The business cycle always, it turns around, and California is the golden state. No, it isn't. We got a market bear stitched right onto our flag. We're totally doomed, Verushka. We've been such fools. I hate those two old men, said Verushka, after the two of them had exhausted half a box of Kleenex. They're worse than their reputations. I expected them to be crazy, but not so greedy and rude. Well, we signed all their legal papers. It's a little late to fuss now. Verushka let out a low, dark chuckle. Jana, I want revenge. Jana looked up. Tell me. It's very high-tech and dangerous. Yeah? is completely illegal, or would be if any court had the chance to interpret the law in such a matter. Spill it, Vero. Pumpty gene therapy. Jana felt a twinge as of seasickness. That's a no-no, Vero. Tell me something, said Verushka. If you dose a man with an infectious genomic mutagen, how do you keep him from knowing he's been compromised? You're talking bioterrorism, Vero. They chase us to the ends of the earth in a rain of cruise missiles. You use a pumpty virus based on your victim's own DNA, said Verushka, deftly answering her own rhetorical question, because nobody has an immune response to their own DNA, no matter how, how very strange it might be making their body. But you're weaponizing the human genome. Can't we just shoot them? Verushka's voice grew soft and low. Imagine Tug Misoglia at his desk. He feels uneasy. He begins to complain. His voice is like a rasping locust's. And then his eyeballs, his eyeballs pop out onto his cheeks, driven from his head by the pressure of his bursting brain. You call that gene therapy? They need it. The shriveled brains of Pullen and Masoglia are old and stiff. There's plenty of room for new growth in their rattling skulls. You and I, we create the pumpty therapy for them. And then they will give us money. Verushka twirled on one heel and laughed. 
We make pumpkins so tiny like a virus. Naked DNA with universal ribosome and a 9 plus 2 microtubule apparatus to rupture the host cell walls. One strain for pollen, one for mesoglia. The therapy is making them smarter, so they are grateful to shower money upon us. Or else, her eyes narrowed, the therapy is having some unpleasant effects, and they are begging on their knees to purchase an antidote. So it's insanity and or blackmail, in other words. These men are rotten bastards, said Verushka. Look, why don't we give a fighting chance to Pullen's home defense pumpties, asked Jana, or his currency pumpties. They're nutty ideas, but not all that much crazier than your original scheme about pets. Didn't I hear you call Rebel Pullen a marketing genius? Don't you know me yet even a little bit, said Verushka, her face frank and open. Revel's ideas for my pumpties are like using a beautiful sculpture for a hammer, or like using a silk scarf to pick up dog doo. Too, too true, sighed Jana. Get the forks out of your purse, and let's start on those nano-pumpties. To begin with, they grew some ordinary kilogram-plus pumpties from Revel and Tug's fork scrapings, each in its own little vat. Verushka wanted to be sure that they had a whopping big supply of their enemy's DNA. For fun, Jana added open animator molecules to shade Revel's pumpty blue and Tug's red. And then, for weirdness, Vero dumped a new biorhythm accelerator into the vats. The fat lumps began frantically kneading themselves, each of them replicating, garbage collecting, and decoding their DNA hundreds of times per second. So perhaps these cavemen can become more highly evolved, remarked Verushka. By three in the morning, they'd made their first nano-pumpty. Jana handled the assembly using the synthesizer's data gloves to control a molecular probe. She took the body of a cold virus and replaced its polyhedral head with a universal ribosome and a strand of hyper-evolved DNA from the pullen pumpty. And then she made a nano-pumpty for Tug. Verushka used her hands-on wetware skills to quickly amplify the lone Tug and Revel nano-pumpties into respectable populations. When the first morning sunlight slanted in the lab window, it lit up two small stoppered glass vials, a blue one for Revel, a red one for Tug. Verushka rooted her in the cornucopia of her tattered suitcase. She produced a pair of cheap-looking rings, brass things with little chrome balls on them. These are Lucretia Borgia rings. I bought them in a tourist stall before I left St. Petersburg. Practicing with water, Verushka showed Jana how to siphon up a microliter through the ring's cunningly hidden perforations and how, with the crook of a finger, to make the ring squirt the liquid back out as a fine mist. Load your ring with Mesoglia's nanopumpties, said Verushka, baring her teeth in a hard grin. I want to see you give Mesoglia his therapy before my flight to Texas. I'll load my ring for pulling, and when I get down there, I'll take care of him. No, no, said Jana, stashing the vials in her purse. We don't load the rings yet. We have to dose the guys at the exact same time. Otherwise, the one will know when the other one gets it. They've been hanging together for a long time. They're like symbiotes. How soon are you and Pullen coming back from Texas anyway? He says two weeks, said Verushka, pulling her face. I hope his last time. But then Haas Jenks was there with a limo to take Verushka to the airport. Jana cleaned up the lab and stashed the vials of nanopumpties in her office. Before she could lie down to sleep there, Tug Masoglia arrived for his first day at Magic Pumpkin. To Jana's surprise, Tug turned out to be a pleasant man to work for. Not only did he have excellent taste in office carpeting and window treatments, but he was a whiz at industrial R&D. 
Under his leadership, the science of the Pumptes made great strides. Improvements in the mechanism of the universal ribosome, in the curious sets of proteins encoded by the junk DNA, even in the looping strangeness of Ruben Gutierrez's genomic open animator graphics library. And then Tug stumbled onto the fact that the Pumpties could send and receive a certain gigahertz radio frequency. Digital I.O. The ascended master of R&D does not shoehorn new science into yesterday's apps, the serenely triumphant Tug told Jana. The product is showing us what it wants to do. Forget the benighted demands of the brutish consumers. We're called to lead them to the sunlit uplands of improved design. So Jana pushed ahead, and under Tug's Socratic questioning, she had her breakthrough. Why stop at toys? Once they'd managed to tweak and evolve a new family of forms and functions for the Pumpties, they would no longer be mere amusements, but personal tools. Not like Pokemons, not like Goob dolls, but truly high-end devices. Soft ovvy phones, health monitors, skin-interfaced VR patches, holistic gene maintenance kits, cosmetic body modifiers. Every gadget would be utterly trustworthy, being made of nothing but you. As before, they would all but give away the pretty new Pumpties, but this time they'd have serious weight for the aftermarket. Pumpty productivity filters containing the molecular codes for the colors, shapes, and functionalities of a half-dozen killer apps. Get them all! While they last, new filters coming soon. Varushka's stay in Texas lasted six weeks. She phoned daily to chat with Jana. The laid-back Texan lifestyle on the legendary pull-in spread was having its own kind of seduction. Vero gave up her vodka for blue agave tequila. She surrendered her high heels for snakeskin boots. Her phone conversations became laced with native terms such as darling and sugar as she smugly recounted giant barbecues for politicians, distributors, the Catenafor management, and the Pullen Drilling Company sales force. By the time Revel and Verushka came back to San Francisco, Magic Pumpkin had the burn rate under firm control and was poised for true market success. But, as wage slaves, Jana and Verushka would share not one whit of the profit. So far as Jana knew, they were still scheduled to poison their bosses. Do we really want to give them the Pumpty therapy? Jana murmured to Verushka. They were in Jana's new living quarters, wonderfully carpentered into the space beneath the bank's high dome. It had proved easier to build in an apartment than to rent one, and Tug had been very good about the expenses. Verushka had a new suitcase, a classy Texas item clad in dappled calfskin with the hair still on. As usual, her bag had disgorged itself all over the room. Mesoglia must certainly be liquidated, she said, cocking her head. Tug's voice was drifting up from the lab below, where he was showing Revel around. He is fatuous, old, careless. He has lost all his creative fire. But I like Tug now, said Jana. He taught me amazing things in the lab. He's smart. I hate him, said Verushka stubbornly. Tonight he meets the consequences of his junk DNA. Well, your Revel Pullen needs Pumpty Therapy even more, said Jana crossly. He's a corrupt, lunatic bully, cram full of huckster double-talk he doesn't even listen to himself. Revel and I are in harmony on many issues, allowed Verushka. I begin almost to like his style. Should, should we let them off the hook, pleaded Jana? Verushka gave her a level stare. Don't weaken. These men stole our company. We must bend them to our will. It is beyond personalities. 
Oh, all right, sighed Janna, feeling doomed. You poison Tug, and I'll poison Revel. It'll be easier for us that way. The four of them were scheduled to go out for a celebratory dinner, this time to Popo's, a shishi high-end gourmet establishment of Tug's choosing. Pullen's voice could now be heard echoing up from the lab, loudly, loudly wondering what was keeping the heifers. Janna swept downstairs to distract the men while Verushka loaded her ring. Then Verushka held the floor while Janna went back up to her room to ready her own ring. The two little vials of nanopumpty sat in plain sight amid the clutter of the women's cosmetics. They could have been perfume bottles, one red, one blue. As Janna prepared to fill her Borgia ring, she was struck by a wild inspiration. She'd treat Revel Pullen with Tug's pumptized DNA. Yes, this would civilize the semi-human Pullen, making him be more like Tug, instead of horrors even more like himself. There might be certain allergic effects, but the result for the Magic Pumpkin Company would be hugely positive. To hell with the risk. No doubt the wretched Pullen would be happy with the change. It went almost too easily. The old men guzzled enough wine with dinner to become loose and reckless. When the cappuccinos arrived, Janna and Verushka each found a reason to reach out toward their prey. Janna adjusted Pullen's string tie. Verushka dabbed a stain of prawn sauce from Tug's salmon-colored lapel. And each woman gently misted the contents of her ring onto the chocolate-dusted foam of her victim's coffee. The old men, heavy-lidded with booze and digestion, took their medicines without a peep. Soon after, Pullen retired to his hotel room. Tug caught a cab back to his house in the hate, and the two women walked the few blocks back to the Magic Pumpkin headquarters, giggling with relief. Janna didn't tell Varushka about having given Pullen the red Tug treatment. Better to wait and see how things worked out. Better to sleep on it. But sleep was slow in coming. Suppose Pullen swelled up horribly and died from toxic tug effects. The feds would find the alien DNA in him, and the law would be on Janna right away. And what if the therapies really did improve the two old men? Risen to some cold, inhuman level of intelligence, they'd think nothing of wiping out Janna and Verushka like ants. Janna rubbed her cell phone nervously. Maybe she should give poor old Tug some kind of anonymous warning. But she sensed that Verushka was also awake over on the other side of Jana's California king bed. Suddenly the phone rang. It was Kelso. Yo, babe, he said airily. I'm fresh back from sunny Mexico. The heat's off. I bought myself a new identity and an honest-to-God law degree. I'm right outside, Jana. Saw you and Vero go jamming by on Market Street just now, but I didn't want to come pushing up at you like some desperado tweaker. Let me in. Nice new logo you got on the Magic Pumpkin digs, by the way. Good font choice, too. You're a lawyer now? Well, don't think we've forgotten about that box of petty cash, you sleaze. Kelso chuckled. I didn't forget you either, mi vida. As for that money, hey, my new papers cost as much as what I took. Paradoxical, no? Here's another mind bender. Even though we're hot for each other, you and me have never done the deed. I'm not alone, said Jana. Varushka's staying with me. For God's sake, will you two at last get it over, said Verushka, sleepily bearing her head under a pillow. Wake me up when you're done, and maybe the three of us can talk business. We'll need a lawyer tomorrow. The next morning, Tug Masogli arrived at Magic Pumpkin and started acting like Revel Pullen. Get along, little doggies, he crooned, leaning over the incubator where they were keeping their dozen or so new model pumpties, and then he reached over and fondled Janna's butt. 
Jana raced out of the lab and cornered Verushka, who was noodling around at her desk, trying to look innocent. You gave Tug the pullin' poison, didn't you? Bitch. Before Verushka could answer, the front door swung open and in sashayed Pullen. He was dressed, unbelievably, in a caftan and striped capri pants. I picked these up at the hotel shop, he said, looking down at one of his spindly shanks. Do you think it works on me, Jana? I've always admired your fashion sense. Double bitch, cried Verushka, and yanked at Jana's hair. Jana grabbed back, knocking off the red cowboy hat that Vero was sporting today. Don't think we haven't already seen clear through your little game, said the altered Pullen with a toss of his head. You and your nano-pumpties. Tug and I had a long heart-to-heart talk on the phone this morning. Except we didn't use no phone. We can hear each other in our heads. Shit howdy, called Tug from the lab. Brother Revel's here, ready to take it to the next level. Let me clear out the help, said Revel. He leaned into the guardroom and sent Haas Jenks and his Mirror Shades assistants out for a long walk. To Jenks's credit, he didn't bat an eye at Revel's new look. Let's not even worry about that Kelso boy up in Jana's room, said Tug. He's still asleep. Tug gave Jana an arch look. Don't look so surprised. We know everything. Thanks to the pumpty therapy you gave us, we got oh, a couple of million years of evolution on you now. The future of the race, that's us. Telepathy telekinesis, teleportation, and shape-shifting, too. You're... you're not mad at us, said Jana. We only gave the therapy to make you better, babbled Verushka. Don't punish us. I don't know about that, said Revel, reverting to his old accent, but I do know I got a powerful hankering for some pumpty meat. Can you smell that stuff? Sure can, sang Tug. Intoxicating, isn't it? What a seductive perfume. Without another word, the two men headed for the lab's vats and incubators. Peeping warily through the open lab doors, Jenna and Verushka saw a blur of activity. The two old men were methodically devouring the stock, gobbling every pumpty in sight. There was no way that merely human stomachs could contain all that mass, but that wasn't slowing them down much. Their bodies were puffing up and, just as Verushka had predicted, the eyeballs were bulging forward out of their heads. Their clothes split and dropped away from their expanding girths. When all the existing pumpkins were gone, the two giants set eagerly to work on the raw materials. And when Tug found the frozen kilograms of their own personal pumpkins, the fireworks really began. The two great mouths chewed up the red and blue pumpty meat, spitting, drooling, and passing the globs back and forth. Odd ripples began moving up and down along their bodies like ghost images of ancient flesh. What's that a-coming out of your ribcage, Tuggy? crowed Revel. Coochie-coo, laughed Tug, twiddling the tendrils protruding from his side. I am expressing a jellyfish, my personal best. Feel around in your genome, Revel. It's all there. Every species evolved from our junk DNA, right along with our super-duper futuristic new bodies. He paused, watching. Now you're keying it, bro. I say, are those hooves on your shoulder? Revel palpated the twitching growth with professional care. I'd be reckoning that's a quagga, a prehistoric zebra-type thing. And Woanelli, see this over on my other shoulder? It's an Eohippus, ancestor of the horse. The cowboys of the Pullen clan got a long relationship with horse flesh. I reckon there was some genetic bleed over when we was punching cattle up the goodnight lovin' trail. That's why we growin' these ponies come so natural to me. 
How do you like it now, ladies? asked Tug, glancing over toward Jana and Verushka. Ask them, hissed Verushka in Jana's ear. No, you, whispered Jana. Brave Vero spoke up. My friend is wondering now if you will sign those magic pumpkin founder's shares back over to us. And the patents as well, if you please. Groink, said Revel, hunching himself over and deforming his mouth into a dinosaur-type jaw. Squawk, said Tug, letting his head split into a floppy bouquet of besuckered tentacles. You don't need to own our business anymore, cried Jana. Please sign it back to us. The distorted old men whooped and embraced each other, their flesh fusing into one. The meaty mass seethed with possibilities, bubbled with the full repertoire of zoological forms, with feelers, claws, wings, antennae, snouts, with eyes of every shape and color, winking on and off, with fleeting mouths that lingered only long enough to bleat, to hiss, to grumble, to whinny, screech, and roar. It wasn't exactly a no answer. Kelso, shouted Jana up the stairs, bring the papers. A high singing sound filled the air. The pollen mesoglia mass sank to the floor as if melting, forming itself into a broad, glistening plate. The middle of the plate swelled like yeasty bread to form a swollen dome. The fused organism was taking on the form of a living UFO? The original genetic space friend, said Verushka in awe. It's been waiting in their junk DNA since the dawn of time. As Kelso clattered down the stairs, the saucer charged at the three of them, far too fast to escape. Kelso, Jana, and Verushka were absorbed into the saucer's ethereal bulk. Everything got white, and in the whiteness Jana saw a room, a round space expressing wonderful mathematical proto-design. A vast Werner Panton 1960s hashish den, languidly and repeatedly melting into a Karim Rashid all-plastic lobby. The room's primary inhabitants were idealized forms of Toglamasoglia and Revol, Revol Pullen. The men's saucer bodies were joyous, sylph-like forms of godlike beauty. I say we spin off the company to these girls and their lawyers, intoned the Tug Avatar. Okay, by you, Revel, you and I, we're more than ready to transcend the material plane. There's better action where we're going, Revel agreed. We're going to stake a claim in the sub-dimensions before the yokels join the gold rush. A pen appeared in Tug's glowing hand. We'll shed the surly bonds of incorporation. It didn't take them long to sign off every interest in Magic Pumpkin, and then the floor of the saucer opened up, dropping Jana, Verushka, and Kelso onto the street. Over their awestruck heads, the saucer briefly glowed and sped away, though not in any direction that a merely human being could specify. It was more as if the saucer shrank, reorganized itself, corrected, downsized, and then it was gone from all earthly kin. And that's how Jana Gutierrez and Verushka Zipkanova got rich. <laughs>